As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Conscious Shift with Julianne Turner brings insights from leading voices and visionaries across the globe to guide and inspire you to create your own conscious shift into your true power and singular greatness. Through her expertise, author, speaker, and social innovator, Julianne Turner, a world authority on the creative process, guides you to discover how to consciously create the life, work, and world you most desire. And now, here's your Conscious Shift host, Julianne Turner. Welcome, everyone. This is Julianne Turner. We are so very glad that you're joining us today for Conscious Shift. We have some real treats ahead of you and can't wait to share those. But first, I want to make sure that you know about a treat that is yours just for being a listener of Conscious Shift, and that is my Conscious Shift Genius Guide gift that I created just for you. And you can receive that a couple of ways. One is just by going to ConsciousShiftShow.com. ConsciousShiftShow.com. And you can pick up the Conscious Shift Genius Guide and audio. It's based on my uh, amazing conversation with Seth Godin, one of the main uh, visionaries of our time, filled with lots of nuggets of gold and clear action steps to shift you into your genius, sharing your gifts and uh, reaping the prosperity that is yours when you do. The second way that you can receive this, if you're more on the mobile end of things or would prefer to text, is simply to do that. Simply text the word SHIFT, S-H-I-F-T, and the number one with no spaces, SHIFT1, and just text that to 44222. Shift 1 texted to 44222 will get you that Conscious Shift Genius Guide and audio. It'll be very easy and you will love it. And uh, we have some really, I think, powerful and profound insights to share with you today. You know, on Conscious Shift and in my work, we often share with you, that the truth that we are already creating our lives, our work, and our world through the choices that we make and through the creations that we share. And 
also the truth that the only question about that is whether we're doing so consciously or unconsciously. Are we creating our lives, work and, work and world consciously or unconsciously? Well, that's a key question for us today. This is a time that our guest today, Neil Donald Walsh, is telling us a message coming through him from God to, to nudge us, to call us to awaken the species to our ability to choose, to make this conscious shift and why it is so urgent that we all recognize that our species is at a choice point. It is such a joy to welcome you, Neil, to Conscious Shift again. Well, thank you, Julian. It's lovely to be here, and I appreciate the invitation very, very much. Thank you. Absolutely. And Conscious Shifters, we all are familiar with Neil's beautiful work that he's allowed to flow through him, his Conversations with God book series, uh, an originally a three book series. And Neil, it's actually grown to so many complimentary, uh, books and, and such a beautiful body of work. But this book, Awaken the Species, was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? That it came along as book four. Tell us a bit about that. Well, it was absolutely unexpected. You're, you're exactly right, Julian. I, I, I woke up on the 2nd of August last at, uh, 4.13 in the morning or so. Uh, out of the clear blue, my eyes were suddenly wide open, and I had that same familiar feeling, although I hadn't had it for about 18 years, but it still was that same feeling. You don't forget it once you've experienced it, and that was a feeling that something really important, something really, I want to say almost monumental, wanted to come through. Not just an ordinary conversation with God that all of us are having all the time, but a a book-length message, if you please. And so I threw back the covers, uh, and I raced downstairs to my computer, and I thought, okay, well, here we are. At 4.23 a.m., what's happening? And I began uh, allowing myself to receive uh, this information. Four and a half weeks, actually three and a half weeks later, really, not quite four weeks later, I had finished a a full-length book, which we chose to call Conversations with God, book four, Awaken the Species. And it has a very important message, an extremely interesting invitation, and, uh, and a fascinating tidbit of data about the universe and how it all works. And Neil, I love so many of the the, the stories um, that came along with this latest, uh, what we can call a revelation, right? Um, a- as well as all the insights in your conversation with God. Um, it was interesting to find out what the 4.23 a.m., the significance of that. I think our our listeners would love to hear that as well. Well, you know, uh, um, the backstory is that all of my conversations have started. That is, the impulse was felt by me at or very near 423, 425, 421 in the morning. And I thought after a while, gee, I wonder why it, it always turns out to be just about that same time every every time I have the experience. But I didn't I didn't really investigate it. I just wondered about it. Then uh, I had to, uh, occasion to get my birth certificate. I was uh, doing some international traveling, and I had to have my birth certificate to get a passport and so forth. And when the certificate arrived from uh, the hospital, or I should say from the courthouse, uh, back up there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I opened it up, and I thought, oh, here, there's my birth cert. Oh, my goodness. 
Look at this. And it said, born September 10th, 4.23 a.m. And I never knew that until then. You know, we don't really know the exact moment we were born. Most of us don't. But I saw right. it there and I thought, my first reaction was, of course. <laughs> I so bet I you, got, you got some good chills there, didn't yes, you? exactly. And I, and I thought to myself, well, you know, the, the moment that I came into a physical being in this particular lifetime was the moment that I am awakened every time I am to the possibility that there's more that wants to be brought through. Absolutely. And it must feel, uh, Neil, uh, quite uh, it, very memorable, I would think, just as you said. It's not not just... Um, a little download, but a big download coming through. It's almost like um, you're birthing uh, a new creation, birthing a new baby. So it feels quite significant, I would imagine, when you're awakened at 423 with that impulse, right? It's not something that uh, I ignore for sure. And it did feel um, like a, a major you know, undertaking. And, of course, writing a book always is anyway. But in this case, I just let it flow through and just, I just really take dictation, essentially ask the right questions and then just take down dictation. And so uh, in a relatively short period of time for a book to be written, three and a half weeks, uh, we had uh, conversations with God, book four. Yes, absolutely. And I, I really ad- in- enjoy your exchange uh, in the conversation with God your questions are are our questions. I think um, as as uh, our our listeners will will read the book, they will see that you give voice to many of our questions that we might have, and you also come with a sense of humor, and so does God. Uh, and uh, I love that because many times uh, you both are exchanging metaphors and and uh, acknowledging one another's brilliance. I I love that part. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed the book at that level. I think the most important message of the book uh, is that we are now entering into um, a, a very critical time uh, in the experience of our planet. That's not news to anybody. I mean, anyone who's awake and conscious and aware of what's happening in the world today would certainly uh, describe it, I would think, that way. But it's not necessarily a negative. I'm told in the book that this is a very positive uh, moment in our in our world's history. It is, in fact, I'm told, the perfect time for our advancement. And what makes it so perfect is that conditions around the world are now arising that would seem to be, in, in the minds of many people, the exact opposite of what we would uh, consciously choose and deliberately wish to create. Uh, and we see the opposite occurring everywhere on the world, around the world right now. And while this has been happening for a long time on the earth, what hasn't been true for a long time is the ubiquitous nature of our ability to communicate about that. Because of the Internet these days and cable television and all the other ways that we receive, even as you've mentioned, even on our apps on our telephones, we can hardly go anywhere without knowing almost minute to minute what's happening around the earth. So suddenly our ability to, to know and be aware of what is occurring on our planet has been increased exponentially and now it's almost impossible if not in fact utterly impossible to ignore the conditions the circumstances the situations that we call life on earth and the way we are creating it and the things that we are doing that are producing the outcomes that we are hearing about so because that's true we are now in a unique position probably more unique than any other than at any other time in our history as a civilization in a unique position to begin to make choices, to begin to make decisions, to begin to respond 
uh, in uh, direct and immediate ways to what in fact is occurring around the world. That makes this the perfect time for our advancement. And we're seeing that in real time, even uh, in, in these days and moments uh, of our lives. And so the book is very encouraging in that way. It says, I know there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of uh, concern. There's a lot of apprehension at the very least about, oh, gosh, what's happening here? What's going on? And why why do we seem to be undoing so many of the things that we thought we were doing when we were uh, progressing or imagined ourselves to be progressing uh, as a species? What? Why are we falling backward and is this what we really want but the positive side of that is it puts us into the place of power the place of knowing is the place of power and it allows us then to play each of us our individual roles in creating critical mass such that we can shift and alter uh, the ultimate outcome absolutely yeah beautifully expressed neil and we are at a choice point and i thought that point that you just made was really beautifully highlighted in the book and that is that all of this is happening this awareness this knowing of of the conditions um nightmarish conditions as you describe uh in the book are are becoming evident to us so that no one can stay asleep really um anyone uh on the planet has to be aware now we can't really deny that some of our choices are not going the direction that we want to. We need to make more conscious choices. And there are several key pieces to this message, Neil, uh, that I, that I would love for us to explore. And the first part of that is that, um, the first part of the message that comes through is God is actually speaking to those of us who are awake, if you will, will, those of us who are already aware and perhaps um uh wanting and and feeling the 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 pain of of the conditions now and you know god is saying you are already awake you just aren't acting like you are there's a fascinating aspect uh, to our experience as human beings, and you've, you've, you've really uh, articulated it perfectly. Many, many, many people, more than we might imagine, are actually fully awake. That is, they're, they're totally awake to what's happening, but they're not, uh, as you said, functioning in that way. And so they're walking around as if they're, as if they're sleepwalking, as if they're still asleep. Uh, even though uh, they are fully awake, some people aren't even aware they're awake. If you if you please, I asked God. And God said to me, "You know, you're fully awake, but you may not be aware of it." I said, "How is that possible?" God said, "Well, it's really very simple. Have you ever heard a bump in the night and thought it was part of your dream, only to realize after a moment, wait a minute, that wasn't my dream. I'm actually awake. The, the cat must have knocked over a vase downstairs, or something else has happened because that happened in real in real time in real life. And you suddenly realize that you thought you were asleep, but you're actually awake." I said, "Yes, of course. I've had that exact experience." God said, "Yes, yes, and that's exactly what I'm talking about." So here you are, sleepwalking, imagining that you're asleep because you know you're living a nightmare here, but in truth you are awake and all you have to do to experience that you are awake is to begin acting like it then i was given a list of 16 ways in which we could act as if we are awake these are ways that mark the differences between an awakened species and humans who are living and walking around in an unawakened state and that list of 16 behaviors is very specific it, it, it gives us practically a blueprint an outline of how we could step into the expression of our wakefulness if we chose to 
Absolutely. And I want us to explore and, and, and at least share, uh, Neil, some of those 16. I've got some notes on it and I know you, you, you know them well. Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to point out as we go into this is that, uh, you know, God is also well aware, right? That as he, as he shared with you, you know, that, that there, that there are a small percentage of our species Enough of us to make it dangerous are really uh, behaving like he, he said children playing with matches, right? In the dynamite um, room. Children yes, in with matches in the dynamite room. Yes, in the dynamite room with technology and and with weapons and things like that. And he said you're really starting to feel the heat. So the urgency is also part of this message. Well, I think it, I think it's it's demonstrably urgent. We can see that all over the world. You know, just turn on the internet or, or you know, whatever news source uh, we, we use every day. Newspapers, the, newspapers are physical objects that people actually could hold in their hand. They have type and, and, and written words on a piece of paper. For those who don't understand what the word newspaper is, <laughs> true. In any in any event, whether we're watching CNN or on our computer or reading one of those ancient things called a newspaper, we see every day, and we we become even more apprehensive every day as we see what's going on in Syria and with our relationship with North Korea and elsewhere around the world. We're just like, what is happening here, and how can we stop this this landslide? How do we how do we put an end to this? And and the answer is given to us in the book Conversations with God, Book Four. It's just a question of whether we will embrace uh, the strategy that's being put before humanity and the invitation uh, that God is placing before us to play our role in that process. And, Neil, it was also significant, I thought, that uh, God made clear to you that he was extending this invitation to us as a response to our cry for help. Uh, And he hears us. Those of us that you uh, alluded to earlier who are saying, wait a minute, I thought we were making progress. I thought we were showing more love for one another, more acceptance of one another. And this just seems like things have suddenly started shifting in the opposite direction. And and God has acknowledged, uh, I think he told you, you know, uh, you're practically breaking my door down with asking for help and this invitation is his response to us isn't it yes yes i I think that what's happening is i think that individuals are and many many individuals are in fact increasing their ability to love each other and and to be compassionate and caring and concerned and and uh, sensitive to each other there's no question about that i see more of that actually not less of it but what's happening institutionally around the world and that's what's driving our experience by the way globally uh, is moving in the opposite direction to give you an example uh, our, none of our systems that we've put into place to make life uh, better for us on the earth are actually functioning the way we intended to, uh, for them to function. Our political systems are not producing greater peace and prosperity and harmony between people of, of different uh, states and, and, and nations, but in fact producing exactly the opposite. Our economic systems are not producing a greater level of abundance or even opportunity for greater abundance for the largest number of the world's people, but in fact producing exactly the opposite 
that our ecological systems are not producing what we hoped they would produce, uh, a sustainable uh, way to live life on this planet, but producing exactly the opposite. And so on down the line, our social systems as well, and saddest of all, our spiritual systems, which we put into place to hopefully bring us closer to God and closer to each other, have produced exactly the opposite. All of the rules we put into place by which we imagine ourselves to be able to live our lives better have produced exactly the opposite outcome. So we see our systems are failing right and left wherever we turn. But that doesn't mean that we, that we are at the end of the line. It doesn't mean that there's no, no way to turn that all around. But we are at a critical choice point now, and we need to acknowledge that. We need to say, you know what, there's something clearly, clearly something here we don't fully understand. The understanding of which would change everything absolutely and so let's just turn to that uh neil in terms of uh god really revealed to you in these 16 uh principles the the qualities the attributes the the beliefs if you will um as you said that that highly evolved beings embrace and embody and Really, it's God kind of surprised you a bit, I think, when he started talking about highly evolved beings as well. <laughs> this was a big part of, of the message. So, uh, would you, would you like to share a little bit about that, uh, revelation? For us now. I'd be, I'd, oh, I'd be happy to. I, I was told in book three, actually, that there were highly evolved beings in the universe. That is, that is entities who live off of this planet. It can't be too controversial in this day and age. It's not very, it's incontrovertible understanding how large the universe is. Physicists, by the way, have told us about six or eight years ago that it turns out that our universe is much larger than we thought it was. In fact, our universe, it turns out, is one universe in a universe of universes. That is, we are like a snowball on a snowbank, it turns out. So there's no, there's no doubt that with the cosmos being that unfathomably huge, obviously intelligent life exists somewhere else in the cosmos and probably in many, many, many other places. That turns out to be fundamentally uh, true. Physicists are now telling us that the probability of that not being true is one in a gazillion. So we're, we're right. pretty much ad- ad- adapted to the fact that highly evolved beings exist uh, in the universe, as opposed to people on the Earth who are, you know, not really evolved at a very high level. Whereas we're a very young species; we've only been here a very short period of time relative to the age of the cosmos. So what I was told in Book Three, and then reinforced in Book Four, is that highly evolved beings not only exist and move interdimensionally throughout the cosmos, but are in fact assisting, and here's the major major new information in book four, that highly evolved beings from off this planet are actually assisting yes. the members of the species on this planet, the civilization on Earth, in its evolutionary process by a number of means in a variety of ways, not by directly intervening or changing the course of events, but by placing ideas, thoughts, inspirations, awarenesses, levels of consciousness into the common space, into what Carl Jung called the collective unconscious, such that we can reach into the collective unconscious, bring down those ideas, and place them in before humanity in the form of musicals, stories, plays, movies, television programs, uh, video games, hopefully positive video games, and in other ways as well, including books not unlike 
uh, the Conversations with God series of books and those that are being written by other wonderful teachers uh, here on the planet right now, Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and many others as well. So we notice that we are receiving that kind of information, that kind of help, and uh, how that happens and the metaphysics behind the lives of highly evolved beings is all part of Book 4, Awaken the Species. Yes, and what we know uh, as well, Neil, is that these highly evolved beings, as you said, can move in other dimensions, uh, dimensions that we can't perceive with our five senses. Uh, they are more able to move in and out of those dimensions, right? Absolutely, and in fact, they're doing it, and so are we, by the way. We are doing it as well. We just simply call it something else. We call it dreams, or we call it life and death. We live forever, incidentally. I think most people understand that at this point. Uh, our entities, who we are, is is eternal is spiritual entity, and we live forever and ever and even forever more. But we move into and out of various lifetimes. We call our exit from this particular physicalization our death. We call our re-entry birth, but you could call it as well movement interdimensionally from the physical to the non-physical, back and forth. We do this routinely. We simply don't understand exactly what's happening, whereas highly evolved beings understand perfectly well exactly what's happening. They understand it so well that they do it at will. By the way, so do we. We also do it at will. We're just imagining that we're not doing it at will. No one dies, for instance, at a time or in a way that is not of their choosing. Yes, really, really key revelations there and and confirmations for many. And the other, I think, contrast that was really profound, Neil, was, you know, the reinforcing that survival is not our basic instinct as humans. Our no, it, ba- it certainly is. Right? Is no. what, and, and you shared what is. And I thought it was quite beautiful. Go ahead. The, the expression of divinity uh, is, the, is the fundamental instinct. People think, and, and uh, for years we were told that survival is the basic instinct, but in fact, that's not true, and I can prove it to you. If the average person you know, were walking down the street and they saw a building on fire and suddenly heard a baby crying from the second story of that building, the, the 99 people out of 100 would run into that building instantly. They wouldn't even think about it. They would, they would follow their instinct, their basic fundamental instinct, which is the expression of divinity. They would not stand outside the building and start weighing the options. Let's see, should I go in? Should I save the baby? I don't know. Maybe this is not a good idea. Most people would not do that. Maybe one person out of a thousand might, but most people would just rush in there and save the baby because they have faced what I call the burning building moment. When we face the burning building moment or a crisis in life when we are given the opportunity to make an instant decision about who we are and what we're going to do about that, the man in New York City who runs, who, who rushes in front of an oncoming bus to push the toddler out of the way, the toddler who's wandered out into the street and doesn't see the bus coming, and the man runs out and pushes the toddler out of the way, perhaps even sacrificing his own life. And if he survives, all the newspapers and all the TV stations are there and they call him a hero. He says, I'm not a hero. I've done what anyone would. Anyone would do that. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Now, if survival were the fundamental instinct, people would not do that. But you know what? When all the chips are down, we in fact discover and demonstrate. We express and experience who we really are. Yes, absolutely. An individuation of divinity, um, an expression of love. is That's our true identity. And so... Neil, the book, uh, Awaken the Species, is really sharing with us uh, those principles 
uh, as well of the 16 uh, principles that all highly evolved beings embrace. And God is in, in inviting us to look at those and say, if you're awake, start living this way. So what are some of these principles by which we want to start living if, if we're awake? Well, I'm told that an awakened species sees the unity of all of life and lives into it. Humans in an unawakened state often deny it or ignore it. An awakened species tells the truth, always. Humans in an unawakened state too often lie, to themselves, by the way, as well as others. An awakened species says one thing and will actually do what they say. Humans in an unawakened state often say one thing and do another. And here's a big one. I love this one. An awakened species, having seen and acknowledged what is so, will always do what works. Whereas humans in an unawakened state see what is so and often do the opposite. I'll give you an example. If your objective is to raise offspring, to raise children free of violence and rage, placing children in front of vivid depictions of violence and rage during their most impressionable years does not work. This exactly. has already been demonstrated. But we've, we still do it. We drag our kids off to the worst kinds of movies you could imagine or let them sit and watch television or a video game or we even buy them toys and they go out in the backyard and play with these machine guns, plastic machine guns that sound for every bit like the real thing. And then when they're 8, 9, 10, or 12 and they push their little brother out the window of a second-story building, we say, where could they have gotten such an idea? I don't understand how they, how they could be so violent. Exactly. Another example, if it's it's our objective to live a life of peace, joy, and love, violence does not work. This has already been demonstrated. Yet we continue to try to use violence as a means to end violence, use anger as a means of ending anger, use resentment as a means of stopping resentment. We don't understand that you can't use the same energy that's created the problem to solve the problem. Einstein told us that, but we don't believe him. Mm. If our objective is to live a life of good health, for instance, and great longevity, consuming dead flesh every day, smoking known carcinogens continuously, and drinking gallons of nerve-deadening, brain-frying liquids does not work. This has already been demonstrated. But guess what? We do it anyway. Mm. And if our objective is to discover and cultivate a relationship with a loving, caring deity so that religion can make a difference in the affairs of humans, then teaching of a God of righteousness, punishment, and terrible retribution does not work. This is being demonstrated every day on this planet by people who believe in that kind of a God and use their belief in that kind of a God to justify their terrorist behaviors. Not just physical, but verbal terrorism as well. Saying to people, you're going to hell. You're going to hell because because you're gay or because you're not believing in the right way or because you haven't accepted. You know, my dear, we see what's not working and we do it anyway. The difference between highly evolved beings is that highly evolved beings see what works and they do what works. It's really, really simple. And what you also share in these principles, Neil, is that these concepts of punishment, uh, insufficiency, these concepts really are not even... Uh, embraced or 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 uh, part of the consciousness of these awakened species that is correct 
punishment is not part of their understanding and not part of their civilization. Neither is justice, what we call justice, and certainly not is insufficiency. And the book explains in great detail. We may not have all the time here because that's a very complex topic, but the book explains in great detail. How can, how can it be possible to create a civilization without the concepts of what we call justice and punishment, or for that matter, ownership? Just to give you one small example, ownership. We think, <laughs> we are really arrogant on this planet. I think that I own the land that I purchased because I'm paying, you know, I'm paying a mortgage and I'm paying, I bought the property. But how far down beneath my property do I own the property? Do I have the oil rights and the water rights and the mineral rights and the gold and uranium rights down to the center of the earth? Or even perhaps to the other side? I mean, where does my ownership end? And for that matter, where does my ownership above my, my plot of land? Because countries even say, you know what, we have flyover rights. You can't fly over our country because we have air rights, flyover rights. Okay, how high? I mean, fair enough if we're talking about a biplane, or but but how high? Twenty four thousand five hundred miles up, where the where the uh, satellites uh, uh, surround the Earth and, and circulate around the Earth. How high up? Do you know that our country had to actually pay other countries, third world nations, for a satellite to fly sixty thousand miles in the air because it flew over for a moment or two their land. Raising the fascinating question that only a primitive species could possibly entertain: How high is up? <laughs> how far down is down? Exactly, exactly. And yet, it's these very kinds, real. These kinds of quarrels, the quarrels that create fights between, actually fights between nations, to a highly evolved species, look like, oh my goodness, this is beyond primitive. This is beyond childish. This right. Is, it's really about world maturity. Right. It's really about worldview, Neil. Um, if you have a worldview of scarcity, then you cling to things like ownership. But if you have a, a, a worldview of oneness and abundance and sharing, then you don't need a concept called ownership. That's precisely correct. And that is the point that's made in great detail in the book, Conversations with God, Book 4. And it explains how that could actually function, how it could work. That the idea of ownership, for instance, as an example, is replaced by the concept of stewardship. We don't own our spouses. We don't own our wife or our husband. We don't own our children. We don't own our property. We don't, in a highly evolved society, nothing is owned. However, there is an understanding that we are given stewardship by the community at large, by the civilization as a whole. We are given stewardship of our children, stewardship of a particular plot of land, stewardship of all that is in our possession, willfully and willingly given to us by the community, and we are allowed to exhibit and demonstrate our stewardship and be good stewards of that particular possession. As soon as we're not good stewards of it, don't take care of the earth, for instance, just to use a simple example, then the civilization says, the society says, I'm sorry, you can no longer be stewards because you're not taking care, you're not being a good steward of what you've been given to share. So highly evolved beings share everything with everyone all the time. There's no limitation to what is shared, but there are obviously some operational ways that they make that practical and possible. Many of these advanced ideas, which we think are way out of line and could, are impractical in terms of daily human life, are impractical right now given our relative immaturity as a species. But Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species, describes in great detail how these ideas could be made practical right here on the earth tomorrow if we simply chose to embrace them. And if we did, everything would change. 
Absolutely. And I want to come back to that, Neil. We're going to take a very short break, and we're going to be right back with Neil Donald Walsh, and we're going to be talking about uh, a bit more about Awaken the Species, Conversations with God, Book 4. You're listening to Conscious Shift. This is Julianne Turner. We'll see you back in a moment. visionaries, sages, and thought leaders have used a pattern of thought, an archetype of creation, to think dramatically differently from everyone else. In fact, these visionaries begin with an entirely different worldview that enables them to see beyond what is to what can be. The good news is that we can adopt the same worldview, literally a different thinking system that all world changers throughout time have used, a profound and practical and profoundly different sequence of thought for the 21st century. This universal thinking system was discovered and is now revealed in a revolutionary book called Genesis of Genius. Genesis of Genius, written by Conscious Shift host Julianne Turner, is a full-color step-by-step visual guidebook to guide you to use this success system to discover and profit from sharing your own unique genius. Genesis of Genius, Julianne Turner's life work, and the foundation of her unparalleled success, guiding thought leaders and emerging visionaries across the globe to make both significant income and world-changing impact, is already a bestseller on Amazon and is now available to you at genesisofgenius.com. And for a limited time, you will receive $180 in special bonuses, plus an exclusive quick start guide, all available to you today when you buy your copy and register at genesisofgenius.com. This is your moment. Let this be your turning point and let Genesis of Genius be your guide on your quest. Now is the time to come awake and get out of the loop of busyness and into the leap of your true greatness. The world is awaiting your brilliance. Visit genesisofgenius.com now and step into your greatness. Welcome back, everyone. This is Julianne Turner. You are listening to Conscious Shift, and we have the pleasure and honor of talking with Neil Donald Walsh today about his latest book, Conversations with God, Book 4, which is called Awaken the Species. And just before the break, uh, Neil, you were sharing a little bit about how, uh, while it may seem from circumstances like things are in chaos, God also really shared in this message to you uh, that's 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 communicated through the book that we can make a choice we are at a choice point which which means that we have the power to change our choices don't we and not only can not only can we make a choice we are we are making a choice every day of our lives with everything we think say and do 
That's it. That's it. And so there's a there's a passage in the book Awaken the Species about that one decision. Um, I want to just share that brief passage, and then we can talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, Would that be okay? God, you know, absolutely, because I, it was it's been made very clear to me, and I, I I was so happy that it arose as part of the conversation in the book that really human beings are in fact just one decision away from making the change that could shift everything on the planet. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, the message that comes through is exactly these words. Humanity is, in fact, one decision away from changing its future for the better forever through the process of each person evolving to the next level by embracing and demonstrating who they really are. And by not rejecting that, by not refusing that, by not declining that, by not saying I'm not that or I can't be that, but by fully embracing and joyously expressing the fundamental truth of our actual identity. That we are in fact singularizations of the singularity. We are in fact individuations of divinity. We are, in fact, gods in human form because there's nothing else. It's not like God's up there and we're down here. There's, there's no separation. There's only one thing in existence in the universe. And we are, of course, all part of that one thing. When we begin to uh, realize that and when, when we choose, actively choose, to declare and to express and to experience that, then the world changes and it can change virtually overnight when we reach critical mass in the number of people who make that one decision. Exactly. And it's a decision and it can be uh, a belief, uh, a worldview, if you will, that we begin to see ourselves as uh, a part of a oneness, not not separate from God, but but as an expression, an individuated expressions of God. And instead of seeing things as separate, which is which is the worldview that leads to the view of scarcity and ownership and and destruction and war uh to believe that we are all if you will in the same boat right um well, yeah we we're, we are all in fact uh, uh a singular uh, entity a singular expression of life in, in simply in individuated or differing forms but the problem we have on the on the planet is that we have embraced a separation theology that is we have an idea that god is over there and we're over here and never the twain shall meet so we've embraced a separation theology which in turn has produced a separation cosmology a cosmological way of looking at life that says everything is separate from everything else the sad thing about that is the separation cosmology has produced a separation psychology that is individual psyches that imagine that they are separate from each other each with their own individual agenda that must be served the sad thing about that is that a separation psychology inevitably produces a separation sociology that is entire societies and groups within those societies that imagine they're separate from each other each having to serve their own individual agenda and finally and saddest of all a separation sociology inevitably produces a separation pathology pathological behaviors of self-destruction which we see all over the world every day of our lives and it all emerges from a single thought i'm separate from everything else that's exactly it and there's a beautiful 
uh, passage in the book, Awaken the Species, Neil, where you give such a, uh, a beautiful expression to this. You say, life is the expression of oneness itself. God is the expression of life itself. God and life are one. We are a part of life. We do not and cannot stand outside of it. Therefore, we are a part of God. It is a circle. It cannot be broken. If we behave that way, if we demonstrated that with our choices, our words, our actions, and our decisions, even in our thoughts, if you please, every day of our lives, truly, life on this planet would change overnight. But you know what? The spiritual leaders of our day and time, and those from ages past, have been inviting us to that experience for a very long time. The question is not, to whom is God talking? The question is, who is listening? Mm, and who will live that way? And that's the invitation that's offered us in Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species. We are invited to self-select, actually to select ourselves, to choose ourselves, to be among those who will be an exemplar, a model, if you please, by embracing the highest notion we ever held within ourselves of who and what it, we are and what it means to be expressions of the divine. What does that look like in our thoughts? What does that look like, in fact, in our words? What does that look like in how we move through the world, in the things that we say to each other, in the ways that we behave interactively with each other? What does that look like? And when we decide to be models, demonstrations of what that looks like, when we reach critical mass in the number of people who are choos- choosing to be exemplars at that level, when we do that, we then stand as the driving force behind the transformation of the entire species. That is how we awaken the species. All we have to do is self-select to do that. It's a big decision. It's a courageous decision, but it's one that now people are really willing to make as they begin to ask the fundamental question, what can I do? What can an individual do to shift the direction in which we see our planet going. And this is something that we can do. And by the way, don't think this won't make a difference. There are those who say, oh, Neil, it sounds all very pie in the sky. What, even if we did that, even if I turned into that kind of person tomorrow, what difference will it make? You know what? Ordinary people have changed the course of human history already. The election that just took place a few months ago, Brexit in England, Le Pen, in, in Marine Le Pen in, in France. What's going on in Syria? What's happening around the world? Ordinary, everyday people are producing those outcomes. And so ordinary, everyday people can produce other outcomes as well if we choose to do so. All we have to do is say, I'm in. I self-select. I put up a website for people who want to do that, by the way. You can just get there by going to IHaveSelfSelected.com. <laughs> I love it. I have selfselected.com. And, uh, Neo, in the book, uh, Conversations with God, Book Four, Awaken the Species, you also share that as a part of this self-selection, there are some things, there are some, uh, what you call integration, some things that we can do to, uh, to uh, embody, to begin to embrace and embody these principles. And one of those is simply to share your own process of personal growth, to model that, to be authentic about the evolutionary 
you know, the evolutionary impact of your own day to day journey. How do you see that helping this shift? Well, the choice to share both my struggles as well as whatever progress I imagine myself to have made on the path to full awakening, the choice to do that is terribly empowering. It's incredibly empowering and emancipating because it shows other people what's possible. So when I share my process with another, and again, as I say, my struggles as well as my progress, when I say, you know, I'm really, really trying hard to get over this particular aspect of my personality, this maybe it's a judgmental aspect or some other aspect of my personality, uh, and as well as sharing my progress, everyone around me says, wow, okay, I get it. Now I see I can go there too. Thank you for sharing that so transparently, so authentically. So the choice to, to share our process is unshackling, really, in an amazing way. The will within all of us to express the divinity that is ours, it literally liberates in others their own desire and their own ability to do so. It's one of the seven tools of integration that's described in detail in Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species. Absolutely. And, Neil, just to acknowledge that you have done this all of your life. Um, since you started sharing conversations with God with us, you've always been so authentic in sharing your own personal growth, the struggles and the progress. Thank you for that. Well, you're very generous to say that. I wish I could uh, say that my progress has, um, you know, outnumbered the, the moments of, of my uh, of my struggles. But so far, it's, it's not true. But I'm, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to give myself this. I think I'm probably 35, 40, maybe four, on a good day, 45% of the way there, which is an enormous difference from where I was 20 years ago, where I, where I didn't even know what was going on. So I'm now looking at my behaviors. Even my thoughts, the way I am in the world, the way I move in the world, the things I think, say, and do, I'm looking at those very carefully every single day, and I ask myself the magic question before any decision. You know what? Before any decision, not just the big decisions in my life, who should I marry or where should I live or what job should I take, but even the small decisions. Should I go watch that movie? Should I turn on that TV program? Should I eat this particular, this particular food? I ask myself what I call the magic question. What aspect of divinity does the present choice give me an opportunity to demonstrate? A powerful question that has really changed my life in front of anything. You know, you want to go to the party tonight? My wife says you want to go to this cocktail party. What aspect of divinity does the present circumstance allow me, invite me to demonstrate? And I get to look at that. I also ask a second question behind that. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Mm. That's the most powerful question. What does And what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? You know, and, and, and those kinds of questions really, really drive the engine of one's internal experience. Small things. I'm in the kitchen. You know, it's morning time, and my wife and I are not getting along that morning. It happens. You love each other completely, but sometimes you just get up on the wrong side of the bed. I do. That's just one of my failings. So it didn't quite go that well as I'd like it at breakfast. And I noticed that we're kind of like into it a little bit, back and forth. But somewhere I have the presence of mind, and I really mean the presence, that is the gifts, the gifts and the presence of mind. To say to myself, right? To say to myself, wait a minute. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Mm. That's and it profound. Contextualizes it, recontextualizes the entire moment, and I get to just stop, just stop, get up from around the kitchen counter, walk over to her at the kitchen sink, just grab her by the shoulders, turn her around gently, and say, "Sweetheart, sweetheart, 
that, that that's not my best stuff. I'm sorry. That's that's not my best stuff. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. And we get to let's love each other again. Yes. And yes. It changes the whole morning. It change, but it, it does more than just change the morning. It changes you. You do that three or four times in a week, and it changes you as a person. And you suddenly don't even go into those behaviors anymore. That's what we're talking about when we speak about awakening the species. That's I it. I am self-selected to be one of those people who chooses, at the level of I'm capable, to demonstrate those behaviors. I have selfselected.com, Neil. Um, there are some resources there. Would you like to share just a, a bit about that? And then I also want you to be able to share uh, where people can find the book and find any other, uh, find you and find any other activities you have to share with us. Well, there are tremendous resources at that uh, landing page. You just click on, you know, you click right through to a whole slew of resources at cwgconnect.com. And I mean, Tons and tons and tons of resources, explanations, explorations of all of the critical and uh, pivotal concepts in the Conversations with God material, a whole community of people from around the world called CWG Village where people gather. It's, it's, the, it's literally the Facebook of the New Thought community where people are gathering from around the world to support each other, to share with each other, just as we're talking about now, to share their struggles, to share their progress. There's a whole slew of resources there, and if people are really serious about saying to themselves, wait a minute, I'm in, I'm in, I can do this, then they'll find the resources that will help them to do that, including, by the way, a place where they can go to get help 24 hours a day from a team of spiritual helpers who are on the line 24 hours a day, uh, online, not on the telephone, I don't want to make people confused, but on, online, that they can respond to anyone who has any question, concern, or problem having to do with spiritual realities and real-life problems in their lives. So if people want support and don't want to feel alone anymore, and what they're trying to do is they change their own lives, all they have to do is go to IHaveSelfSelected.com. Beautiful. Neil, thank you so much for your generosity and uh, saying yes to speaking with us and all the conscious shifters across the globe today. We will begin asking that question in our choices as well. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And we also really want to honor you for making yourself available uh, to uh, to have God speak to you and through you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you're very kind. God is speaking, of course, to all of us all the time. It's not a, it's not an experience that's limited to me, and that's the main point of the of the information. But I do appreciate the opportunity to share my own personal experience, and you're very generous to give me that chance to do so. Thank you. Absolutely, Neil. Uh, many blessings, and we hope to have you on Conscious Shift again soon. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Bye for now. And Conscious Shifters, just want to let you know that you can go to iTunes and search for Conscious Shift with Julianne Turner. You'll be able to get the recordings, the archives of all of our shows with Neil and Marianne Williamson, uh, Dan Pink, Seth Godin, Julia Cameron, all of those. And uh, just want to let you know that you can also go to GeniusSession.com if you would like to explore with me how you can share your gifts and genius. This is Julianne Turner. Thank you for joining us today for Conscious Shift. 
listening to Conscious Shift with your host, Julianne Turner. If you're ready to make your own conscious shift to awaken the power and singular greatness already within you, Julianne is your expert coach and trusted ally, your passionate professional guide to create your highest purpose, profitability, and potential in your life, work, and world. Just go now to Julianne's website, www.creatorsguide.com, and fill in the special pop-up. You'll instantly receive free access to invaluable resources and bonuses that will guide you forward. That's www.creatorsguide.com. Just go there now and fill in the special pop-up. Now is the time to shift into your greatness. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.